Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning, friends. Come on in, pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborn. And I'm Amanda Miller, and we are thrilled to have you with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Mr. Clutter is our grand barista, and we are thrilled to have our good friends Ryan and Mary Beth Eberhardt with us here in the St. Gabriel Cafe to share stories from their life together and how they strive to be a family on mission. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning, Dave. Can you start us with a prayer? Yeah. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we, we love you. Mm. And we ask to your help to, that we would just give our hearts to you, even those pieces of our hearts that are just maybe difficult to give to you. Lord, we ask that you enter into those spaces and places so that we can relinquish them, so that we can be conquered by you. Mm. Lord, we, um, we just ask for greater love, greater love for our neighbor, greater love in our diocese, greater love in our family, just in every aspect of our life. And to even love ourselves as, as you have called us in our dignity to, to live that out as well. We thank you for all that you are doing in our lives and in, in the lives of people around us. And, and even in the places that we don't see it, we trust in you. And in those places that we don't trust, we ask for your help to trust in you relinquish that to you we are grateful lord we ask that you help us to live out this day for your glory and we ask for the intercession of mary amen amen father son holy spirit amen thank you amanda the catholic bishops of ohio have released a statement on the passing of issue one mm-hmm And the statement reads, Today is a tragic day for women, children, and families in Ohio. We mourn that the dignity of human life remains concealed by the duplicity of a culture of death. Though this is a day of sorrow, we are never without hope. St. Paul tells us that it is in hope that we were saved. And if we hope for what we do not see, we wait with endurance. Asking of God's protection and mercy, we must look ahead. Despite the obstacles this amendment presents, the Catholic Church in Ohio will continue to work for policies that defend the most vulnerable, strengthen the child-parent relationship, and support women in need. As we pray for the conversion of minds and hearts to the gospel of life, we recommit ourselves to defending children in the womb and supporting women in need. The Catholic Church and faithful will never grow weary in our mission to help women and families flourish through ministries such as Walking with Moms in Need and other local organizations that provide material and spiritual support and through advocacy with policymakers. 
We, the Catholic bishops of Ohio, are grateful to the Catholic faithful, clergy, and all people of goodwill whose actions in this campaign demonstrated our commitment to honoring and upholding the dignity of life. Your sacrifices prove that the Church will never abandon her mission to support human life. We will persevere in this mission until every preborn child is protected, every pregnant woman is supported, and every human life receives respect, dignity, and justice. With you in Christ Jesus, signed the bishops of the state of Ohio. Beautiful statement. Huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you see the readings for today, Amanda? Yeah, yeah particularly um, Romans. I enjoyed because it just talks all about love. So <laughs> all about love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brothers and sisters owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no evil to the neighbor. Hence, love is the fulfillment of the law. Lots of emotions this morning. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think in light of just yesterday and that how things went down, I think there could be a lot of emotions, right? There could be frustration, sadness, uncertainty, maybe scared. Um, anger. Yeah. Anger. And those are all real emotions, right? Real legitimate emotions. Um, but I think it's important to remember that, that we're called to love, right? And love always conquers. And yeah, that God has a plan despite, despite what happens, God still has a plan and we can trust in that. So that's what I hold on to. Amen. And his plan didn't change right. from yesterday to today. That's right. That's right. He mm-hmm. foresaw this. Mm-hmm. And so we can trust that he's going to do something ultimately in his whole plan to bring about goodness. So buckle up, be yeah. disciples. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, it could be a, a greater call to action for us to love more fervently. Yes. Right. So that's love. what we'll do. Love conquers all. Amen. Yesterday, in other local news, uh, the Sarah Club Boys Vocation Luncheon was held at the Pontifical College Josephinum. Yeah, we're in Vocations Awareness Week. It is. Yeah. All week long. And they had over 300 students. That's amazing. There yesterday. High school students, but then there were also a few from the eighth grade as well. Uh, Father Kyle Tennant from St. Cecilia. Uh, spoke. He gave his vocation story. And Father Bill Hahn, the vocation director for the Diocese of Columbus, offered a couple discernment tips for the young men. First is to train their ears to hear the Lord through the reading of the Gospels and to spend more time in adoration. Good tips, Father Hahn. And he also invited the young men to a come and see weekend at the Pontifical College Josephinum to see what seminarian life is like. Uh, It starts tomorrow. So if you are a young man listening or a parent or a grandparent of a young man, contact Father Hahn at the Diocese of Columbus Vocation Office right away. 
if you're interested. Mm-hmm. So, let's talk more about love. <laughs> How about it? Ryan and Mary Beth Eberhardt. Good morning. Good morning. Good to have you in the cafe. Mary Beth's a regular. How, how did how did it take so long to get you here, uh, Ryan? It's take your husband to work day. <laughs> <laughs> Score. <laughs> Outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. So we want to get to know you a little bit better, Mr. Eberhardt. Where are you from? So I was born um, in West Lafayette, Indiana. My parents were graduate students at, at Purdue. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's uh, uh, some beautiful moments there, but also some some difficulty. And my dad ended up leaving our family, and my mm-hmm. mom, um, you know, as a as a young woman with a baby, moved to Columbus, Ohio. Okay. And in a lot of ways, this place, um, well, obviously became a new life for her. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people welcomed her, and and this community became more than than just a home you know it was a new start for her and so mm. i've spent most of my life in in the columbus area and raised yeah. catholic so no yeah so um yeah you're, you're gonna hit me with like the the tough deep stories right <laughs> yeah right off the bat yeah. good morning this I'm, is the, ca- the catholic version of 60 minutes I my I, brother i've had some coffee yeah. so I, I i will preface this with um my mom has come to a place of deep faith now. Mm. But at the time, you know, the the abandonment from her husband and, uh, you know, some difficulties with her own dad, and she was in a, a, a hard, difficult place. And so um, she was looking for, like, a community, but at that time she wasn't really looking for faith. So there were some really strange conversations that I had growing up where, you know, we, we would go to a church fairly regularly, and we were part of that community. But several times she had, had pulled me aside kind of during my childhood and said, you know, all this stuff about Jesus, like that's just made up. And so I had, uh, within the church that, that we were going to, there was something like a confirmation. Now, it was, it was a Protestant church, so it, it didn't have, it wasn't a sacrament. Mm-hmm. But it was sort of a celebration that was sort of like the end of the youth group in high school. And, um, you know, I, I went and said to her, like, if we don't actually believe this, I'm, I'm not going to go through with that. Um, and that was kind of tough. And I will admit some of that was, you know, a sophomore or junior in high school kind of being an unruly young man but some of it was a kernel of like wanting truth mm-hmm. and so yeah. that was actually a really difficult time between the two of us and then years later though that's been like a source of of like strength of that we got through that together but I went off to college you know thinking maybe I'm going to end up being an atheist you know I'm going to I'm going to do something else like if this isn't true and so I remember having a lot of prayers of Jesus I want you to be real mm. you know if you're real like I need to know you and uh, it was through that that time in college that I visited a lot of different churches um, but eventually I found the Catholic Church and there was a, a Franciscan um, who was doing sort of a, 
a sabbatical year and he was teaching at the university that I was at mm-hmm. and he and I got to talk and and through a, a lot of things and a lot of grace I ended up falling in love with the Eucharist wow so the, the real presence ended up being what drew me to the Catholic Church because it it was finally a faith that made Jesus present. And so I ended up going through RCIA um, in college and so was received into the church um, in 1995. have to try and remember. So, yeah, we're coming up on almost 30 years in a, in a couple of years since I joined the church. And yeah. so then, you know, other than being part of the church, the first huge gift from the spirit about six months after I entered the church was um, meeting this beautiful woman to my right. Mary Beth. Amanda's pretty amazing too, but I'm closer to his right than Amanda. <laughs> Absolutely. Cheers, Amanda. Cheers. So, so you had that pursuit of tooth even as yeah. a, as as a young, uh, or as, as as a teenager. Right. Are, are you analytical, scientific <laughs> minded? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, that may be true. Well, no, I, I mean because you work you work through things that's logically, right. and that's right. You know the scientific method. No, I I will admit that you know even though I'm a I'm a I'm a te- technical person, I'm a computer scientist, and you know, an engineer and so on, you know, professionally, and that's my temperament. Um, there was a lot of heart that was behind it. Yeah. Right. It, there was a desire for meaning and a desire to be known mm-hmm. um, and a, a desire to truth that wasn't, that wasn't dry. Like that there was actual like pain and hope and longing that was behind that. But yes, that, because was, that was your experience. I mean, that right. was your lived experience. Though. Right. So. And it sounds like the your desire just for Jesus to be real and that yeah. those questions really prepared the way for once you had an experience. Right. What Was that difficult for you to take grasp of, wait, you're telling me that that bread is actually Jesus Christ? Or what, what was that like? <laughs> so, yeah. So I, Mary Beth's kind of like encouraging me to. So I, I, as I had said, I had been attending like different sort of various Christian denominations or, or groups. And so like I'd gone to a Baptist service and so on. And so I'd come to what was going to be the Catholic mass on campus and it was a shared space. So this same room at different times of the week was going to host, um, you know, Islamic prayer and, and Jewish, um, services. And, mm-hmm. and, and so it, you know, it was just a large room. And so the, the tabernacle was not fixed. It was literally wheeled out on a cart. So I had showed up to mass or what I would learn was mass. I knew nothing. Like I literally knew nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I showed up 15 minutes early because I was sort of nervous, which meant I was absolutely alone. Um, mm-hmm. except with, you know, this, this tabernacle on a cart. And <laughs> this was sort of in a way, one of the first miracles for me because I had an intense experience kind of while waiting there alone of I need to find out who that is. Mm. And that meant literally nothing to me because I was sitting there in my analytical side of my mind saying, that's a box on a cart, like that's a thing. But I just had this intense, I need to find out who that is. Wow. And so then 
later learning about what Catholics profess as the Eucharist and, and talking to um, this Franciscan whom I mentioned, um, that just like absolutely blew my mind. And so, yeah, I was in, I was like enraptured from the beginning. And so that drew me to the church. And then sort of the more I read, the more I learned and like, you know, that what Catholics believe, what we believe now, I can say a bunch of years later, um, it was just so intensely beautiful. It was meaningful. It was real mm -hmm. in a way that my faith had not been. It's hard to call it a faith. You know, we had a community of people who did great things like Habitat for Humanity or, you know, helping each other out. And that was all very good. But the faith was very, very surface level. And so a faith where people actually believed in something powerful. Mm -hmm. that this Lord who had seemed very, very distant was very, very close and very, very present was, you know, something I'm, I was blown away by and that I'm very grateful for. So, Ryan and Mary Beth Everhart are with us here in the cafe this morning. Where are you from, Mary Beth? I'm from Syracuse, New York. Okay. Grew up with lots of snow. I always joke with my kids that um, where, you know, for safety reasons, you might keep like a ladder in your closet if you're on a second story in your house. In our home, we had sleds because the snow was just so high, right? And so we literally would slide out of our bedroom windows in the winter. It was kind of fun. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is fantastic. Did you have brothers or do you have brothers? I have three sisters. I have two older sisters and a younger sister. Yep. You guys were adventurous then. You know what? My little sister was the just kind of the adventurous one, and um, I to keep her safe, we probably all followed suit. <laughs> <laughs> Race Catholic? Yes, culturally Catholic, um, and yeah, the church was in the middle of my neighborhood, um, so kind of one of those suburban neighborhoods. And um, the church was built when I was, gosh, six years old. And, um, and so we would have Father Finnegan, he would take walks around the neighborhood. So that was really cool. And I actually, um, I think I've shared this many times, you know, I grew up in a home that wasn't so safe. So the church was these, um, just was the center point for me and, um, and the community as an adult, the community more so, um, I realized that, you know, I would spend my time there and people would drive me home or if I walked home, everyone would kind of keep an eye on me, um, and though I tried to portray an image of everything being wonderful, everyone knew, but I just, um, gosh, I spent a lot of energy trying to make it look like everything was good when it wasn't. Mm. But, um, you know, Father Finnegan was just an anchor for me growing up. And I have such fond memories. I sang in the choir from like eight years old till um, well, gosh, till my wedding, um, such that they built like a little step stool for me because I cantered and they, um, I had asked one person to canter for our wedding and do you remember, sweetie, they, um, they all showed up. So like you walk down the aisle, right. And then I think the next song they sing is the Psalm and I turn around and, you know, the whole choir is there singing and it was just, it was beautiful. Um, so they were my anchor. 
Um, but I share the choir story because as a teenager, see, Ryan has such holy stories. I'll share all the parts of me that <laughs> I, um, I would I would go to every mass, not particularly because I was like, wow, I want you know to see the real presence of Jesus. Matter of fact, I didn't actually have a concept of the real presence of Jesus growing up, but there was safety there. But also, um, it was those were my people. Um, they helped raise me. So the so the first mass I would listen and pay attention and then I would sit in the choir loft with my teen magazine you know teen bop and the latest new kids on the block and I put it inside the bulletin because I didn't want father to see what I was doing right <laughs> so and and then so and I had a whole stash a whole stash and one day father was taking a walk around the neighborhood and just just nice and quiet right and and just strolling like your you know friendly Irish priest and he just stopped by the house and I was like hey father and he just takes out of his back pocket Uh all of these magazines (laughs) and he was like Mary Beth I just thought you might be missing these and and he just handed them over and I was like I am so busted (laughs) um but you know what I love those I share those stories with my kids and there's so many more um, you know, from the beautiful, like I would do my homework in the little kitchen there and there would always be something right for like father knew I needed something to eat. Um, and he would leave a snack or, you know, or he would walk by and he would have stopped by McDonald's or Wendy's and, you know, here's some nuggets and, you know, so, um, the fatherly presence and the, um, the maternal presence from everyone who really witnessed who, um, the Holy family to me kind of helped define for me what kind of family I wanted to raise, mm. try to create. Yeah. And that attentiveness, right? We, we've spoken with you before in the ministry of presence, right? I mean, mm. so you witnessed that pretty early in your life. Yeah. God, you know, that's really a really good point that God taught me that from so many others. Yeah. Yeah. And, and well, let's bring your stories together. Yeah. So you went to the same college. No. Near, nearby. No, two, two nearby. I went to Cornell, and I went to the women's college nearby. Okay. So there, <laughs> I see a mixer happening. You are correct. All right. <laughs> a holy mixer. Here we mixer. go. <laughs> it was not a holy mixer. Um, no, we were typical college students. Yeah, and absolutely. I was, I played soccer, and Ryan was in a fraternity. Mm-hmm. And I think we had both ended, um, come from, you know, relationships that Other had ended yeah. and um, been dragged to one of those like parties in your room or someone's dorm room. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember going into this room and um, it, there was like a, a circle of people playing cards and, you know, um, having beverages and um, and there was actually cigarette smoke was thick, like you could see it. Um, and I remember seeing this guy in the middle of the room and boy, did he he looked out of place like he just really wanted to leave <laughs> and I, I would go as far as to say look fairly pathetic at, <laughs> no. at that moment uh, um, you, you were dancing no i yeah. was i was sitting and pretending <laughs> to play cards and drink a beverage with some other people but it may have been an hour and a half and there may have the beverage may have still been there because i didn't really want to be there mm. and i think it, it but you were supposed to be there i was See, there i was go. told by the people i call friends that <laughs> I had to be there. And what friends they turned out to be. They did indeed. Let's just say that. No, but, absolutely. Um, but with, it, with Mary Beth in mind, it is, so is that why they said so? No. So as Mary Beth had said, I, a, a different relationship had ended mm-hmm. and I was feeling sorrowful <laughs> unto death. 
and uh, my friends, you know, were were sort of tired of that for me. They had my best interests at heart, clearly, and so they told me that I needed to come to this mixer that was being held at the local women's college, and so I remember like throwing on the I, I, an, an old T-shirt that I had and some green shorts that were not particularly attractive. I actually have no idea how I even came to own those. <laughs> so I, I had not dressed up to meet someone new or to really do anything like that. And, and I was really humoring my friends to be there at all. So there is something of, of grace happening here <laughs> where um, I, you know, I can't take credit for anything that happened kind of up until, um, you know, we met. So, mm-hmm. so I'm there, yeah, looking quite out of place. And, and, and your eyes met. Something like that. I think, you know, <laughs> she saw me and she uh, thought, you know, there's a young man who... I felt um, sorry for him. Right, yeah. <laughs> a little pathetic, so, out of place. I wanted to yeah. be so romantic, but I, yeah, you know, so, that ministry so, of so hospitality and, and heart was still is right. there. And then... Then for my part, um, one of my <laughs> friends had cornered this young lady who happened to be my future bride. And because this was a time before smartphones and other things, he had literally brought a, a, a flip book of photographs of, I was of his vacation. And he had sort of like caught her in a corner and was like, do you want to look at all my pictures? No. And so <laughs> the answer was no, but she was also trapped and so, like, she looked over at me, and yes, yeah, we did. Yeah, our, long our story short, I went up and I asked him if he I want, wanted to take a walk. So look at that forward movie. Yeah, that's no, good. But not in any, honestly, <laughs> here's the thing, not in any romantic way. So She's it was like, so, you don't want to be here, I don't want to be here, let's go for a walk. Right, well, I, well he just looked, he looked so uncomfortable. And, you know, as I'm saying this, I'm realizing that that boldness of the spirit is something that, has aided me in other times in my life when it's like, you know, clearly that was the spirit that's like, you know, act on the gift I've given you. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing that's really cool about this story. So we take a walk and I um, lived on a campus on Cayuga Lake. Is that the name? Cayuga? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And um, so beautiful campus, old school. And we were taking this walk and, you know, Ryan's sharing his story that he had just become Catholic my Catholic identity is utterly lost in this women's college um, because I had gone to the women's college thinking that it would be this formation school to teach me how to be the woman I wanted to be because I did not have that example. It was not the place for me to be. However, um, the Lord needed me to be there, right? So anyways, we're taking this walk and we're sharing our stories. And then seriously, the weirdest thing, I start to sing the Psalms, the Psalms that I grew up with. um, Like they were just like, and I'm thinking in my head, you're you're really crazy. Like who does this? And yet I'm holding his hand. I mean, we've graduated already to the hand holding. Right. And, um, and I'm singing the Psalms and I'm just like, whoa, like blown away by that moment. So, and from there on, you know, 26 years later, here we are. It, well, it sounds like Ryan was blown away by that I, moment I was. too. <laughs> I was. So, that is awesome. That's beautiful. Two years and one day later, we so, were married. So wow. we have our our anniversary of the day we met, the day before. We have our, day anniversary and, our, and anniversary. Then the wedding anniversary are right next to each other. So, we get to celebrate that. Yeah, every year. 
Mary Beth and Ryan were were chatting about your vocation story, and I, I I'd like to I guess from both of your stories growing up, you know, you shared with us that just kind of like maybe a lot of adversity and um, maybe growing up in environments where love was you know maybe lacking in certain ways, and yet your as I see you as a married couple, there is so much love there. Mm. And so do you just have a story of how that your past kind of transformed into this beautiful relationship between you two? I think when you recognize that it's such a gift, the you're just, I know I am every day overwhelmed by the fact that God's given me someone to walk with who loves me in my, who knows me mm-hmm. and loves me. Um, there are days I'm overwhelmed, like with, who I am and not in a good way. Right. Because I know my, I know the fullness of who I am. And then to 26 years, you know, 28 years later, have someone still like you and, and know you and love you. Like I'm in awe of it. I'm just in awe of the gift of that. And that is what fuels, you know, my love. So one thing, and that's beautiful, Mary. <laughs> Thanks, I, we we were equally yoked mm. in a way so as you know I'd said that you know my father had left our family and so my vision of being a husband and then eventually a father was basically like I need to be radically different from that mm-hmm. what whatever he'd done and and again I, I I've I found out some things later that that maybe like I understand him a little bit better but I wanted to be radically different from his example mm. and in the same way you know Mary Beth often says that you know, she was from a home that wasn't safe well she also had a vision of of needing to be radically different from the example that she'd had and so then with you know the blessing of some of some couples over time who were mentor couples for us and Mm. A bunch of priests and seminarians and religious and lay people who came in in out of our life and and gave us good good witnesses. You know, we we just were were really motivated um, to to live a life that was different from what we'd grown up in. And so, yeah, every time that that we were able, every time that there was a choice, right? And I know we're going to get into talking about like the mission of marriage. Like there was an explicit choice of how can how can we be more loving, right? How can we be more authentic? You know, how can I know her better? How can I listen to her better? How can I be willing to share? Like, what am I willing to give up um, if it would make our marriage stronger or make our parenthood stronger? And and so there's a yeah. There's, so, there's, so much of your of your mission I, I i come back to the attentiveness mm-hmm. i mean it, it seems like you i mean you both are very attentive to to each other um to the lord open to the holy spirit and ryan you say that you know you're you're met with decisions right, right. and just knowing that you're at a decision point and it can go this way or it can go that way. Are you going to include Mary Beth in the decision? Right. 
are you going to follow the promptings of the spirit in making that decision? That that's most of the battle, right? It is right there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then being willing to know her, right? So like one of the things that we spend a lot of time on is, is what are those, what are those wounds that we still have that sometimes are even unspoken mm-hmm. from our childhood and how are we going to help each other to grow and transcend and, or how am I going to, you know, protect or how is she going to protect um, something that, she, that, that one of us knows would be really harmful for the other. Right. So the, the, that's part of that atten- attentiveness that, mm-hmm. that you said. Yeah. So the spirit weaves through and the scriptures weave through and then. Well, that yeah. sounds like it also just takes a lot of patience and attentiveness to just even ask those questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a constant um, ob- being aware, constant thinking of the other. Someone gave me some great advice, gosh, early in the marriage, and it was um, to come home and always assume that the other person has had the harder day than you. Mm. And I've transferred that, you know, Ryan works from home and, um, and you know, we homeschool and I work from home as well. And so um, we're together a lot. And that can be good and it can also, you know, have its challenges. And um, mostly because we're, we make assumptions of the other's um, hard days or we, I think like clearly you have seen my hard day, right? Um, but, and my, my days are lived out more visible. You know, I've got eight people sometimes, you know, who, who need me. Um, well, Ryan has equal or more people. I just don't see them, right? Because he has meetings and he has people, um, you know, pinging him on his um, computer and things like that who need equal amounts. And so um, that observation that, or, or even if I don't see it, that knowledge that, um, he might be struggling or thinking of him first. It's a dying to self. That's just so necessary. It's not comfortable. I don't like it. Sometimes I want to be the person that's like, you know, me, me, but, um, I've also, I think we both subscribe to this, Ryan, that, um, modeling to our kids, you know, what we're doing, we're, we're, we're getting each other to heaven, but it's modeled for our children. You know, this, this, um, legacy for them to to move on and so I want them to see and learn so that they can go and do likewise um and so we live that out pretty visibly for them Ryan and Mary Beth Eberhardt are here with us in the cafe this morning you had mentioned mentors uh mentor Mm -hmm. couples uh through through your life what was your marriage prep like Did, did you come into the marriage already having a good mentor couple or when did that happen when 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 did you make that intentional decision to um be a have a catholic marriage man i'm thinking back to duquesne university so after we got married i went to um well we lived in boston Mm -hmm. um ryan's first job tech world so we moved to boston and then we ryan i couldn't find a, a college there that was um up to the status oh. of Mary Beth Eberhard. Goodness. Um, you know, yeah. there were 400. Yeah, none, Harvard. None were good enough for, for me at the time. Oh. Um, I'm, a, I'm a BU grad, by the way. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Oh, so there are some, but not Harvard. 
I'm sorry to anyone listening. <laughs> the whole Cornell that's thing. Yeah, that's Harvard the other thing. side it's, of the river. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to go over there. But so, again, here's Ryan's, I, I think, one of the first moments of, like, huge sacrifice. He's gotten this great job, right? And his wife, crazy nine, how, how, how old was I, 1920, um, was like, you know, here in Boston, there's no school that is worthy of my expertise. So I have found this school in Pittsburgh, and um, that's where I would like to go to school. And so Ryan went to his boss. There was no telecommuting then, really, and said, I'm, I've really enjoyed this job, but I'm going to go look for a job. You know, there's Carnegie Mellon down there. There's tech stuff. I can find some things. And his boss was like, I don't want to lose you. So Ryan started telecommuting. We moved to um, Pittsburgh, and... Um, the reason I share that is the Holy Ghost Fathers, the Spiritans, are the community there. And the Lord just, he needed us there. I would say not a mentor couple, but a mentor community. Okay. And boy, they just wrapped us up, protected us in the early years of our marriage. And I just remember sitting in the front row holding hands and this priest, Father Jocelyn Gregoire, and he had this <laughs> French accent and, and he was from Papua New Guinea. And um, is that right, Papua New Guinea? Yeah. yeah. Right. And he and he would say, I love people who are in love. And, <laughs> and it spurred us on. Do you know? Like it was okay mm-hmm. to be as in love as we felt. And, you know, and then it felt so good to be supported. I think that we just, that became the beginning of our mission. Like we are going to be a couple that lives love out loud. Mm. Yeah. So I, one thing I, I want to be, you know, honest about, even though we, we both had a deep faith, as we met and we were coming into being married. I mean, I was a brand new Catholic and yes, I was, I was on fire for a lot of things, but I hadn't really grown up being formed mm-hmm. in a lot of the Catholic teaching. Um, and, and so there was a lot that we had to learn. There was a lot that we did not know yet. And so, you know, we're, we're married and we're in Boston and, and we didn't immediately, I mean, we had some sure. marriage formation, but, um yeah there were some uh but we had a lot to learn mm-hmm. so it it took a bunch of years and it took some of these experiences like like what Marybeth is talking about to kind of deepen and ignite and so yeah as a young married couple we you know we we looked like a lot of secular couples right it it took some it took some time but i think that the spirit was 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 working on us and and mm-hmm. then you know the, the openness to people who would kind of call us deeper or give us a community and 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 people to kind of it, to, to pull us with. along did, did, did you have with. that same pursuit of truth pursuit of of um yeah pursuit of truth that you had as as a younger man did that come over then into into your life as a, a young husband absolutely but it took time to learn a lot of things, to learn a lot of things about Mary Beth, to learn a lot of things about, um, you know, what a, a, a dignified and holy marriage might look like, what, you know, healthy sexuality looks like, what, what um, you know, how we should raise our children. Like, there were just a, a bunch of things that, you know, you saw us in those e- early years. Um, we're not the same couple. We've we've grown and, and, and deepened in love. Well, praise be to God, right? Amen. I mean, it, 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 it's, uh, r- rare is, uh, is the couple that has it figured out in the first six months, right? Truth. 
So tell us about your family. Mm. How many kids? We have eight kids. I was wondering which family you wanted me to tell you about. Um, Uh-oh. That's a, that's a different episode. No, that's yeah. not what I meant. <laughs> just no, no, no. Just eight. Um, yeah, so we've got these eight kiddos. Um, we have, we've adopted one. Um, so let's see, our oldest two are 21. They are not twins. Um, the We adopted Elizabeth, um, one of our 21-year-olds, and she is from Armenia, our oldest, Samuel. Um, let's see if we go oldest to youngest, we got Sam, Lizzie, Peter, Peter. Peter's at Ohio state. We have Gabriel. He is at Ohio Wesleyan. Oh, Lizzie's at Franciscan. Um, Sam's out there amazing the world with working. Um, who comes after Gabe? Lily is 14. Joe, no, 15. 15. She's 15. Sorry. Yeah, They they get older. Um, she's 15. (laughs) Joe is 14. Paul is 12 and Sarah is 11. Hobby. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Um, so we <laughs> yeah, have five have boys, we have math. three girls, and um, we homeschool them. And, or at least now we only have four at home, which is a different dynamic. Um, we have two kids who are in wheelchairs. Liz is um, in a wheelchair. They both have arthrogryposis, um, and Gabe also is in a wheelchair. And that is only important in that it has um, really put our family you know yes love is a mission and clearly with special needs that is something that we live out more fully but it has also put our family on mission um to to welcome others to us mm-hmm. so we have um you know our home is accessible and so we often um host and that has that has allowed us to use our our um gift of love and really put it out there for others um to see and also for not just for them to see but for us to learn from them and yeah that's how we've tried to form the kids Mm -hmm. again tried or trying trying yeah Yeah. praying praying pleading (laughs) when when did you first like immerse yourself though in 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 a parish life was Mm. that after you had had started having kids or did you do it as a childless couple? Yeah, we certainly we did always that. went to church. Because right? community is, is right. such an important part, mm-hmm. I think, especially I, I, I see your love of the Eucharist as what mm-hmm. propelled you into the church. That's right. And then Mary Beth was your um the grace of having a good community. Mm-hmm. So I can see those are two elements of Catholic life that aren't always easy to find mm-hmm. you know yeah. yeah that's true um but I, I think few, we've had a few communities yeah through the years I, but uh, our family the size of it you know we're conspicuous right so you can't just walk into church and not be noticed and so um people want to get um are, are, are very they are curious they, yeah. yeah and so that has invited conversations i was thinking way back we became youth ministers is that what you're thinking well, I, I was going to start that that Catholic community at Duquesne was probably the first, mm, yeah. Really, you know, and and then we didn't have any children at that time, and then then later after Sam was born, um, we, obviously having children changes the dynamic of what you're doing and what kind of groups appeal and what kind of support you need. And so I'm trying to think of the the first community that we were deeply. A so part when of we were we in Boston. Children. Yeah. Um, we had Sam in Boston and then we, um, he was one year old and we moved back 
home um, to Columbus. And I became, we became, because whatever I do or he does, it's it's a we, um, we became the youth ministers at St. Andrews. And um, back then we lived right by the high school. And so it was a perfect thing for the, um, and I think that's actually when I might have started to get to know Cam, which is hysterical, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and his family. But um, the teens could come through the house. Like it was, again, accessible um, even before um, we, before needed, we needed we needed that. accessibility, right. Right. but um, it became it. We could live out our married life with Samuel and then Peter, and and have um, and witness that with this community. St. Andrews had it, um, and then we um, we started working with Aaron Richards and Dan Demite with the. Um, gosh, what were they called? Cam Jesus, Jesus Jams. Jesus, Jesus Jams. jams. <laughs> I was like Jesus Jams. Yeah. Um, yeah. I sang in the band. It was kind of fun. And, um, but again, that witness, that community, I mean, I had a baby in a, in a, you know, carrier and I'm up there singing and, um, and it's beautiful. Yeah, Mary Beth, I'm actually going to turn this around. I mean, yeah, we, go ahead. you had this gift of hospitality mm-hmm. and as your, your, or, you know, I would say even a charism of hospitality and as your husband, I've tried to support that, but I think like the Lord gave that for the sake of the community, but then also for us to be able to weather the storm, so to speak, of having children with, with special needs and everything that we mm-hmm. had to do because of that. So like in a similar way, like this move from Boston to Pittsburgh, so you could go to school, which which forced me to begin telecommuting. But then that became a gift much later after Gabriel was born and we were traveling um, for medical care for him and surgeries and so on that I was able to work remotely. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like the, the gifts that God gave us were for building up the community, but they also prepared us to be able to weather the sufferings and the storms that were coming. And so in a, in a similar way, you know, we, we were able to give back kind of in advance by being youth ministers but that developed a community who was then there to support us when, you know, when we were struggling. Because, you know, after Gabriel was born and he was the first of our children who had had arthrogryposis and we were learning how to care for him and what we needed to, to do to get him the care that he needed. And that had just completely been like a, a tidal wave knocking yeah. over kind of every vision of what um, our our parenthood and what our daily life was going to look like and through the midst of that uh, this community whom we developed you know even from teenagers who were growing up into young people were were coming and were watching the other you know we were watching Sam and Peter while we were um, going to medical appointments or flying mm-hmm. to, to be present at a surgery and they were you know listening to us as we were crying about you know what life had had brought and so you you've um from what i've witnessed uh, you guys have always been very giving very you know pouring out to others were you were you ever tempted to focus to stop that mm-hmm. outpouring especially with uh eight kids i mean there's an awful lot that needs to be done right at home and to treat just your family exclusively as that community so there are two lessons there that I learned. So the answer is yes, um, but not out of a, not out of a selfishness, like or, or like an insular. Yeah. But more so, 
um, out of a, a wound. So um, when we, so we had moved from, we had moved from Pittsburgh to Columbus. And then a few years after Gabe was born, we needed to move to Philadelphia where his hospital was. Um, the care, we were driving every week and we just couldn't keep it up. So driving or flying and we just needed to be there. So um, we were there and we didn't know anyone. So let's see, we had five kids then. and um, Just five. And yeah, just five, but a ton of care, <laughs> right? And five small kids, which is a lot of work. And, um, but anyways, I needed help. Ryan was traveling and um, I don't like to ask for help, but I needed. And so we were part of this small country parish and um, there was a, a couple who jumped in. They were like, we can help. And so I was like, thank you, Jesus. And um, really without a, without thinking about like, am I asking too much? When I needed help, I would just ask. And at some time, this woman had come to me and she just said she was frustrated that she couldn't manage the uh, um, what I was asking for, right? Which was, you know, can you pick this kid up here? Could you help me here? Um, and her comment and not meaning to hurt was just, do you ever just feel like you're too much? And boy, mm. did I just own that. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, matter of fact, I feel that every single moment. And then that transferred to, I am too much. We are too much. So I close the doors. Mm. And the thing is, when you close the doors on who God is asking you to be, it's, as Father Shock would say, no bueno. <laughs> like, it's mm -hmm. just not good. Because you you go against who you're created to be. Mm -hmm. And we moved back. Um, you know, we had a couple more kids. We moved back home. And um, we started attending St. John Newman with Father Sizemore. And if you know anything about Father Sizemore, um, you know, he really challenges you to be the best version of yourself. And um, Ryan, let's see, we had, I, we had just had Sarah, our last, and she was, you know, it was a hard, um, I don't know how, even how to describe that. You can just say a hard pregnancy. It was a hard pregnancy. And um, so Ryan had, you know, to choose, he had papers, you know, like, was it going to be Mary Beth? Was it going to be Sarah? You know, it was very challenging. And in the midst of that, we were adopting Lizzie. So Sarah's born. We're both safe. Thank you, Jesus. And we get the call in the hospital room that um, Ryan's got to leave in four days to go get Elizabeth. The adoption's been approved. And um, and, <laughs> wow. and, and it was crazy because under Armenia law, you can't um, you can't change your family status um, or you have to go back to the beginning. And we, we had like a 10 year old girl who was getting close to phasing out. And so we were like and the missionaries of charity are so fabulous. They're like, Shh, mm. you know, tell no one. Um, as they would like rub my pregnant belly. It was hysterical. Um, but so Ryan left and here's the thing. There was a knock on the door and, I, um, and I remember telling the kids like, you know, father had someone bring a meal, just take the meal, close the door. Like, and looking back, I'm teaching them such negative things like, you know, close the door, be guarded. Don't, you know, don't let anyone in. And, and it was, um, these five grandma ladies from St. John Newman and they were, like they weren't having it. Like I was sitting there in my like, <laughs> actually I was sitting there in the t-shirt that Ryan wore when I met him. That's um, right. We joke that, you know, he's a slight man and eight months pregnant. I wear that t-shirt. So I tell you his fashion sense was on um, point so, at the point at that time. <laughs> but, um, but it's so sweet. My kids love my daughter. Like instead of like, can I have your wedding ring? She's like, I want the t-shirt when, 
Um, when, when you die like that that is like yeah. the special thing um so so cute but anyways i'm sitting there on the stairs and um and these women just come in and they barge past and they break down not only in their like their giving of bringing a meal but they stay for like around hours, um yeah. well hours but days ryan was there for like 23 days in armenia and they they made it a mission to come and so in doing so they broke down that that lie and they mm-hmm. um they opened the doors fully for us to live out loud who we're supposed to be so yeah one thing i want to say into that is yeah. is so you know we've shared kind of what our childhoods look like and so for each of us kind of in different ways but but some similarities part of the way to cope with that was to have a an image that everything was going well yeah. So both of us sort of cultivated a public image that everything was going well. And so um, part of the the maturity and the deepening of faith was that we had to be willing to let people outside see what was actually happening. Mm-hmm. That's so good. You right? should write my next article. That's Ooh, really good. I can do that. <laughs> I like it. Guest article. Um <laughs> And so, you know, then the temptation when this, yeah. when this friend, and, and so, you know, part of like having kids who are special needs and having a, a larger family was that in a lot of ways, our family needs were really, really high. And so, you know, mistakes we'd made over time was, was asking people who weren't given that particular cross or that particular, you know, mission um, to carry that for us and and kind of ending up giving them more than they could carry or more than they had been asked to carry and so then the you know we'd kind of swung too far the other way and tried to to close the door and not share with people what was actually happening in our life and and that was sort of worse than the the first and so Mm -hmm. now you know we've what's that quote that father taught us there can there can be no oh you're talking about charity yeah but it yeah, transfers like, doesn't it or I, I i believe it was there there can be no authentic christian charity without those willing to receive yeah. right so if, if nobody's willing hmm. to accept like admit that they have a need and be willing to accept then other people can't rise up to to meet that yeah so that makes me think of in earlier in your story when you were sitting in that parish and father walks by and says i love love and Mm -hmm. that's kind of when it hit you mary beth is that your mission is to live love out loud Mm -hmm. and i love this story of kind of closing the doors on your community and being like oh maybe we're too much and we're asking too much and then the doors being burst open again because I mean, in the midst of our struggles and asking for people help, that's when they could be witnessed and be around you and see the love and the mission lived out loud. And I I remember actually when I was at your house for the first time and you asked if I would feed Lizzie and it was actually really beautiful that you invited me into that. that you tr- trusted me with feeding your daughter. Um, and it was like the first time you had met me. And I felt so honored that that you would invite me into your family that intimately. Um, and so I think that's just an example of living love out loud. I think here, here's the thing that is just, I think our kids would say clutch, but just when you live your like love, when you live your vocation, your mission out loud, it's like, 
it's freeing. You know, we live, we dance in the kitchen. Like we are, we are very affectionate with one another. Our we kids we kind may of, get teased by our children. We, we do, <laughs> but, but it's a, it's, it's, it's so full. It's, it's like Ryan said, you know, like it's, um, you know, it starts as like, maybe this is how I want you to see me. And then it's like, no, this is who I want to be. Mm-hmm. And when you strive, when you live toward that, it's just like, yeah, that's who I am. That's who I want to be. And it's awesome. Like I want to be this this guy's wife every single day and I strive to be that right and it's joyful it's awesome yeah. mm-hmm. that our our masks and our walls and our doors don't always show people that and no. we need to see that authentic love in the world yeah the love but also the the struggles mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. yeah we have just three minutes left Seriously? I'm gonna toss out another gotcha at your okay. <laughs> we had talked about mentor uh, couples Right. How would more mature Eberhardt's mentor the young Eberhardt couple? What what would it what would you tell the young Eberhards? That is a good question. Sorry, I'm thinking. Um it probably would it and encourage the the younger us to have been willing sooner to share the the hurts and the wounds with each other and then and then after that with other people Mm. that that really isn't something to be afraid of because to be in a place where I can say out loud you know my father hurt me this way or and that affected my mom and I could see that she was hurt and that hurt me too and but now we've actually been able to talk through that and that ended up deepening our relationship when before if you had talked to like the the late teens or the 20 something me I probably wouldn't have been able to say that out loud mm. and so instead I internalized that as Oh, there's something wrong with me. Mm. Um, and I, I think there's, and and so that ended up being a, a, a shell, against authentic love and against the work of the spirit and against being able to be closer, um, with, you know, with with the the woman who would be my wife. Mm. Um, there's something like when we talk about making heaven visible. Right, part of that that mission of marriage, right, getting each other to heaven, but also in a way trying to make this world a little bit more like heaven, in advance of being there. It's that being able to be actually known, and then still loved and still desired and still accepted, and so like that's part of what what we can offer each other. Amen. Thank you, Weber Hertz. Thanks Anytime. for having us. Tomorrow we'll be back at 8 a.m. We're talking Elizabeth of the Trinity. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow at 8.